Good morning, everybody. You're a very, very warm and attractive congregation. Uh, you may be seated. You know, such a wonderful sense of God's presence here. Thank you, Pastor Tark and Adrian, for the honor and privilege of being here. Uh, I really do want to honor your pastors. They are actually ama- I know you know this, but they're an amazing uh, couple. Um, the, ironically, when the marriage ad came up, and uh, if you're wondering, oh, I was interested until we were going to hear Pastor Tark's tip for marriage. Don't worry, Pastor Adrian's tips for marriage would make the whole thing worth coming for. If, if you want to know how to survive with blessing, listen to Pastor Tark. If you want to learn how to survive with persecution, listen to Pastor Adrian. There's something for everyone. Come along, you're going to get blessed. You can tell we're friends. <laughs> um, it's true, I don't know where I come from. Well, I do. Heaven, and that's where I'm going. Everything else is just a stopover. Uh, and uh, God has blessed us. I... I, too, am blessed with a, an, an amazing wife. We've got two uh, young boys, Zeke and Caleb. They're seven and four, and they're in Perth at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I, I love my family. I, lo- I love God. I love your worship. Can we give our worship team and the, these choir? What, a, what an amazing, amazing group of people. Uh, just a joy, and even Sam and Jody and all the team here that do such an incredible job, all the volunteers, everyone that's a part of this. And if this is your first time, this is a great church to call home, and it's a great church to actually uh, locate, base your family, and uh, you will grow if you hang around long enough. Man, that conference looks exciting. It all looks good, but I would love to share with you something that God has put on my heart this morning. And if you don't know God, just keep your heart open, and let's see what happens. How about that? Everyone okay? Matthew chapter 4 is the book in the Bible that I'm reading from. Just a couple of verses. Uh, Tonight, just while you're turning there, um, I do want to encourage you to come out. If you absolutely hate this morning, please don't come tonight. Uh, (laughs) Because it's probably... That's just me giving you some self-advice there. Uh, but it's sort of, it's almost the second part of what I want to share this morning. So I guess uh, this morning will be the gauge of whether you're interested. And if you don't like, just come for the chili chicken on rice, because that's what I would do. If I didn't like the preacher, I'd just come real late. This is really unscriptural advice to start the message, but okay, don't listen to anything I said. Okay, Matthew 4, here's what it says. Um, the scripture will be on the screen, and it's basically, it's, it says this, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. By the way, that's a very common Indian thing. They give you a name, but they call you something else. Well, there's a few people who understand that. Uh, his brother casting an end to the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19 says, he said to them, follow me. Everyone say, follow. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, they left their nets and followed him. Now, this whole idea of discipleship and the whole idea of following God uh, sets Christianity apart from any other religion or faith because at the end of the day, it's not a bunch of rules that get you saved. It's a person. And really, that relationship with Jesus does not mean you and I make no mistakes. My love for my wife means that I do things that ultimately keep our relationship strong. Does that mean I don't make mistakes? 
I absolutely do. All you need to do is get her up here for two minutes and you'll hear a catalog. And the reality is it's not that having a relationship with God insulates you from mistakes, but you understand that the thing that's keeping you here are not a bunch of rules that, that you should fear, but a person that you should love. And that whole context of following me, some people misinterpret like, oh no, I've got to follow God. When you realize who you're following, it's the greatest privilege in the world. When you realize you get to follow God, if the fishermen that day understood and they clearly had an awakening of some description that the king of heaven literally was walking by them and said, follow me. It wasn't a sense of, oh man, I've got to leave my nets and my dad. It's the sense of I've been called. This is a privilege. Some of us got saved accidentally. Meaning you got drafted into something because you were in a bad situation and you found hope and peace only to realize God wasn't just trying to rescue you out of the red but launch you into the black so you'd have a life full of favor and joy and peace. There is a journey with God that is absolutely enriching and if you've never been on it, today might be a good time to start. And here's what Jesus said. He said, follow me and I will make you. See, only God can do that. The making of you is in the following. People go, well, I need to do a discipleship course so God can make me. The making is in the journey. There's this language of journey that's right throughout Scripture. You know, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. And this idea of walking with God uh, is not a formula. It's not a franchise thing. It's not, a, it's not something I can give you 20 steps to. But it is something that you've got to become sensitive to, feeling his presence, hearing his voice, sensing that. And if you think that's a bit out there, I want to encourage you, God loves you so much, he's made it possible for you to realize that this journey is not impossible. He does, like he said to Peter, Simon, whatever you want to call him, follow me and I will make you. The journey of you becoming a disciple is quite subtle. There are moments of encounter. Everybody has defining moments. I believe your conference will be a defining moment. There's so many moments of encounter we can have. But do you realize some people get dizzy on destiny, and they're always looking to the the someday of when they will somehow be whatever God's wanting them to be. And God says, it's a bit easier than that. All I want you to do is just follow me. And on the way, somewhere along, I'm a disciple. Where did it exactly happen? The making is in the following. If you keep following... So, you know, when he said, follow me, he didn't give you a map. Which means this thing is about a person, not a destination. This thing is about hearing rather than knowing. And when you realize that you can get on this journey and then you end up at a place and people are like, how did you get there? You're like, I just kept following. Do you know, if I were to drive in New Zealand, and let's be honest, driving in New Zealand is easy compared to driving in Malaysia. Anything's easy compared to driving in Malaysia. And I were to drive a car and follow, go to Pastor Tark's house, and I just followed him. I'd end up there because when he stops, I stop. When he goes fast, I go fast. When he turns left, I turn left. If he does a U-turn, I do a U-turn. It doesn't really matter where he's going. So long as I'm following, I'll end up where I'm supposed to be. And once I end up there, if you called me and said, hey, Mark, uh, are you at Tark's house? I'm like, yep. He's like, can you give me directions? You know what my answer is going to be? No. Not because I don't want to. I don't know. And you'd be like, aren't you there? I'm like, yep. Well, how did you get there? Well, I just kept following. 
There are some people who are going to ask you about your life and your destiny and where you've gone and how you've got there, and you're not going to be able to give them a really good scripted answer because following God is like following the car in front of you. You end up where you're supposed to go if you keep following, if you keep close enough, and it doesn't mean you have the directions. It's not a map we can franchise. It's a journey we need to encourage. And so when Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, I want to encourage you that that is an invitation for every single person in this room. But here's the reality. Let's break it down and get a little practical. This journey is not a giant leap into your future. The journey of following is a whole bunch of next steps. You know, how do I get to the next place? One more step at a time. You know, there's an expression, you buy it, how do you eat an elephant? Well, I personally don't eat elephants, but if you were to eat an elephant, the answer is one bite at a time. The idea that we all have a next step is actually uh, quite heartening for us because sometimes life seems too big a, a bite. And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to ever beat this issue. I don't know how I'm going to develop that authority. I don't know how I'm eventually going to handle this situation. And God says, just keep following me. This, there's the next step in front of you. Just do that. If you do the step that's in front of you, there's a whole series of next steps that look like a spectacular leap in a highlight role. But the day-to-day -day life of following God is just an ordinary series of next steps. Really, when you think about it, Zacchaeus. Everyone knows the story of Zacchaeus? Anyone remember the song in school, uh, Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a very little man. I'm just sensing the spirituality in here. He climbed. Okay, so Zacchaeus was a short guy, Luke 19. I'll tell you the story. But you know, Zacchaeus was a crook. He was a tax collector who ripped widows and, and off, and he, he genuinely stole. You know what Zacchaeus' name means? Pure. The name Zacchaeus means pure. You got a guy whose destiny, whose name was purity and his life was anything but. And we know what happens because the story of transformation from, from crook to pure to philanthropist to kind-hearted giver was, sounds like just one small step, but there was a lot of series of steps. In fact, just get into the story for a second. Imagine you're Zacchaeus, and you're at the office going, hmm, which widow should I rip off this afternoon? And then you hear, oh, Jesus has come into town. The Jesus parades here. Oh, you know, Zacchaeus had to take one step. He had to go, let's think about it. Rip off the widow, go to the Jesus parade. Rip off the widow, go to the Jesus parade. Rip off the widow. You know what? Maybe I'll go to the Jesus parade. It was a small step. But if he didn't make that first step, there's no philanthropist. There's no transformation. He made a decision. Everyone here made the decision this morning. Stay at home and celebrate the All Blacks win, which is boring because they win all the time, or go to church. <laughs> Stay at home, celebrate the All Blacks win, which is boring because they win all the time, go to church. You made your first next step. Just being here. It didn't mean your life got dra dra dramatically transformed, but you took your next step. Zacchaeus then goes to the Jesus parade and goes, hmm, I'm short compared to everyone else. You know, um, it's how Pastor Tark felt when he met me. <laughs> he's a giant in the spirit, but let's be honest, you know. So he's like, I can't see anything. So he's like, I I I've got to do something. Now, you know, you might come in here and you might feel, in a sense, short, disqualified. The Bible says we've all fallen short. So Zacchaeus does something else. He takes the next step. Coming to the Jesus parade was wonderful, but it wasn't enough. He climbs a tree. I don't know about you, when the last time you saw a tax collector or a distinguished celebrity climb a tree, that's normally left to young boys and people who have no shoes. 
He climbs the tree. But you know what that is? That's his next step. So you you might have come to the Jesus parade this morning, but maybe your next step is hunger. Go after God. Say, you know what? I've come, but I'm going to actually, you know, they they showed a hunger and a humility to climb a tree. And because he climbed a tree, that was his next step. Guess what? Because he took his next step, he gets Jesus' attention. And Jesus says, hey, Zach, come down. You know what his next step was? Come to get off the tree. Some people are so hooked on tradition. Well, I found Jesus on a tree. I'm staying in the tree. I'm living in a tree. I'm building a tree house in the tree. We're going to start a denomination in the tree. And sometimes you realize what got you there is not what's going to take you further. And you've actually got to do the, he literally got off the tree. And then he said, I'm trying to just get you to understand in the moment that this, his transformation from sinner to philanthropist wasn't this one giant wave of heaven. There was a whole series of next steps, like I'm going to the parade. You know what? I'm going to be hungry for God. Yes, I'm going to show some humility. Yes, I'm going to follow. Then he opened his house, and then he opened his heart, and then he's all of a sudden this saved, transformed philanthropist. The journey from crook to pure was a whole bunch of next steps when you really think about it. And so I want to encourage every single one of you that your journey with following God isn't as dramatic as you think it needs to be because it's only one next step. And whether it's your marriage, maybe your next step is going to the, that course. Maybe your next step is coming tonight. Maybe your next step is just trying to do what's in front of you faithfully and consistently without trying to think, oh, well, I've got to eat this whole destiny thing in one swallow. It rarely happens like that. In fact, um, you know, I, I just want to leave with you a few principles, a few points about this whole idea of following God in terms of a next step. And, and I'm hoping it'll bless you and stir your heart for the journey that you are specifically on. Here's the first one. A dream without a next step is a fantasy. There are so many people who got dreams, but they never take the next step. And a dream without a next step is a fantasy. I, I did law. I was a lawyer. Uh, I did become a Christian after that. Uh, I know some people think that's completely inconsistent. But the point is, as a lawyer, I went to law school, and uh, I met one of my friends in law school. We didn't know that we were Christians because clearly neither of us was shining our light very bright. Uh, but the point was, years after I graduated, and in fact, just after I quit law, because I worked for five years as a lawyer, I saw him at a church pastor's thing. I'm like, I'm going to use a different name in case you know him, because there's people from all over the world here. I've got no idea. Let's call him Tony. I hope there's no one called Tony here. Tony. I'm like, Tony, you're a Christian. He's like, yeah, Mark, you're a Christian. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I couldn't tell you. Sorry, I couldn't tell. Anyway, it's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, so you, what are you doing now? I'm like, oh, I just quit uh, my law job, and now, now I'm actually going to start working at a church and serving. And I'm like, Tony, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I just quit law too. I'm like, wow, man, this must be God. He's, and I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I've got a season where I just need to wait on God. I'm like, wow, awesome. That's amazing. He says, God just told me to wait on him. I'm like, great. Uh, okay, um, so how long is that for? He goes, I don't know. I feel like maybe two to three years. I'm like, wow, that's a long time. Two to three years. I said, how are you going to survive financially? Oh, I'll stay with my parents. They'll just help me. I'm like, oh, you're lucky, man. All right, go for it. So anyway, I, 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 I don't see Tony for a while. About a year and a half, two years into the journey, I see him as some other Christian thing. I'm like, Tony, how's it going? Because, oh, it's amazing. Time with God is incredible. I'm like, I'm a bit jealous because I don't like having to set up chairs and do, you know, do, do things that are a bit more uh, routine and practical. He gets to just wait on God because his parents provide him a house and, and some meals. I'm very excited for him, but I'm really a bit jealous. And I'm like, how's it going? Oh, God is so amazing, so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, wow, amazing. I see him after about three years. I'm like, Tony, what's happening? Because I'm thinking this guy's Elijah. I mean, literally, who gets to wait on God for three years and do nothing? 
I'm like, God must have a special dispensation for this guy. And I'm like, what are you doing, Tony? He's like, oh, no, I'm just going to keep waiting. I'm like, you said three years. I'm like, yeah, but I feel it needs to keep going for a while. I'm like, and I'm not judging because I believe those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. I'm a huge fan of soaking in the presence of God. That's how I'm wired. But I'm like, three years and doing, like, not even, you're going to serve in a church? You're going to get involved somewhere? Like, you know, hand out some flyers, cook some, like, do something. No, just waiting. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, oh, he goes, I want to change the world. I'm like, great. Tony, I see him a year and a half after the three years. It's almost five years since I saw him. Tony, what's happening? Oh, I'm still waiting. I'm like, waiting for who? Oh, I'm waiting, waiting on God. Like, maybe he's not coming. Like, and I was, and I was, I was starting to get a little flippant, but I'm like, Tony, do something. You want to change the world? Go and start somewhere. Go serve someone. Go and help. It's like, do something practical. Now, I'm not judging anyone who God tells you to take some time out and do this, but do you realize that many people have dreams, but they, without a next step, it's a fantasy. It's like what, they go to their grave with potential and dream, and like, what happened? It's just a series. Follow me, Jesus. Jesus didn't say, wait on me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, get up, pick up your legs, and follow me. Wait on me, and you'll renew your strength. But do you realize following God requires some active movement? I remember God spoke to me while I was, at law, uh, while I was working as a lawyer about praying for the sick in hospitals. And I'm like, God, I don't want to pray for the sick in hospitals. I don't mind putting on a white jacket and praying for them in a crusade. But praying for the sick in hospitals sounds a little bit risky. And, uh, but God spoke to me clearly, pray for the sick in hospital. You know what I did? Nothing. I did want to see the sick healed. I did want to see the power of God move, but I did nothing. You know why? Because I was too scared. I didn't know what to do. So for three months, I did nothing. After a while, I got restless. I'm like, you know, there comes a point where the frustration of doing nothing becomes greater than the fear of failure. That's a good point. Because then you're not scared anymore. You're just sick of doing nothing. So after three months, I'm like, I've got to do something because it's nagging. Pray for the sick in hospital. And I had nothing. I'm like, God, give me a plan. What, what, what do I do? Like, who do I see? Is there a, nothing? Go pray for the sick in hospital. That's it. Do you realize God is often just waiting for you to do the first step before he gives you the next? Your next step is what's in front of you. And so that one day I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it. So here's what I do. I, I, I catch a, I get on the bus. I'm working in the city in Perth, and I catch a bus to the nearest hospital, largest hospital in WA. I'm like, he didn't tell me which hospital, so I just went. So I get in the bus, and in the bus, I'm like, you are a, you're a fool. You, you, what are you going to do? And then I hear the voice of God, ask for the chaplain. I'm like, oh, ask for the chaplain. Oh, I didn't know there were chaplains, but all right, sure. So I go up to the reception at the, at the main thoroughfare of this large hospital in Perth in the middle of the city. I'm like, can I see the chaplain, please? She's like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, no. Said, she says, which one do you want to see? I'm like, I have a choice. She said, yeah. I said, what are my choices? She said, Church of England, Catholic, and Lutheran. I'm going, oh, none of these guys are going to get excited about what I'm going to tell them. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a pastor. I've got no qualifications. And I'm going to tell them God spoke to me. Oh, God, I don't even know if they even believe in that. Oh, we'll see what happens. I'm like, she says, which one? I'm like, God, tell me which one. I, you know what? I just picked. I didn't hear anything. So I said, Church of England. You're like, why did you pick Church of England? because I liked David Beckham at the time, and that was as spiritual as my reasoning. You're like, you're not very spiritual. Pastor Tuck, how'd you let him speak? Listen, sometimes following God is just you starting to step out. She's like, do you have an appointment? No. Does he know you? No. Um, he's not expecting you? No. Are you here to visit someone who's sick? No. Are you sick? I said, I felt like saying, yeah, in the head, but like, no. She's like, I'll see. I found out later she thought I was coming for money, because apparently people do that in the hospital. And, uh, 
10 minutes later, to my shock, the man who walks down is the Anglican vicar of the church that my parents grew up in. He's not even the Church of England chaplain. He's on locum replacing the Church of England chaplain, and that was his last day. So I'm like, Reverend Gordon. He goes, Mark, I know you. I'm like, yeah, I know you. Oh, my God, this guy. Anyway, I, I said, listen, I'm not crazy. He goes, I tell him what God's told me. He's like, I know you're not crazy because I know your family. I know you're not a terrorist because I know your family. Because <laughs> it was just after 9-11. It was like security was hiding. They're not going to let a stranger walk into the hospital. And, 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 he, and long story short, within two weeks, they made me an honorary chaplain at the hospital. And for the next two years, I went in during my lunch hours or before or after work to pray for the sick. And you know what? That would have remained a fantasy if at some point, I, without a plan, I still said, you know what, I'm going to get on the bus and go. Some of us are waiting for such detailed plans. God has dropped things in your heart, and you're waiting for him to give you all sorts of plans. He's like, just take one step. I didn't, get a, I didn't hear a voice until I got on the bus three months later. I'm waiting on God. Speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Nothing. Silence. You know why? Because God wants you to take your next step. And often he's waiting on us, even though we are often waiting on him. Here's another one. Next steps may not be spectacular, but they're always significant. Sometimes we expect our next step to be this huge promotion of some description. So the, you know, the prophet comes and says, David, you are the next king. You know what David's thinking? My next step is king school. Trainings for kings. You know, some reigning for training or something. And you know what his dad says? Here's your next step. Go back, look after the sheep. <laughs> uh, Jesse, um, I mean, Dad, uh, I'm the next king. I'm your king. That's not my next step. Do you, did you hear the prophet? I am to be the king. We sometimes looking for the spectacular in our next step. But thankfully, David was faithful in his next step, and he went back to look. And then, you know, after a while, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do the faithful thing. Then his dad goes, son, I've got a job for you. He's like, finally, king school. My dad has seen my faithfulness with the lion and the bear, now king school. And he goes, here's your next step. Take cheese and biscuits to the army. It's like, hospitality? Isn't that only for people who don't have like a ministry gift? That's not wrong. I'm just, that, that's totally wrong. I'm just saying what some people are thinking. It's, that's not. Can you imagine how I, I, hospitality is a gift from God? Imagine if he downplayed it and was over spiritual. Like, what's that got to do with being a king? Thankfully, he was willing to take his next step. You know why? Because he wasn't looking for the spectacular. You know what his next step was? Kill the giant. But if he hadn't taken the next step to look after the lion and the bear, taken the next step to go take cheese and crackers to his brothers, he wouldn't have walked into his destiny. Some of us are waiting for the opportunity that befits our personality and profile. That is not the way God works. So we are often looking for the spectacular, but he says, just do what I've called you to do. It's always significant, even if it's not spectacular. There is something about all of us that wants something spectacular, but do you realize that, you know, Often we're doing that just for our own ego or just for people to say, oh, what have you done? When I quit law, my family are all professionals. They're all doctors, engineers, accountants, lawyers. I've got every kind of surgeon in my family, cardiothoracic surgeon, neurosurgeon, plastic surgeon. I've never paid a medical bill in my life. And so that when I told them I'm quitting law to become a pastor, they're like, oh, he must have been made redundant. You know, people have got their own mindsets. So here's the thing. I do that, and I can't even tell them I'm now standing on the stages of the world preaching the gospel. You know what my job was? as a, The first job working, coming on staff, as if in my ego that wasn't a hard enough transition. My pastor made me go pick up his kids and his laundry. 
For the first six months, I was doing that, plus, you know, helping with the bed, cleaning, you know, organizing, rolling out. I'm like, I quit law after five years, two degrees to come and pick up some guy's kid. And, re- you know, what God was doing, he was cutting out of me because sometimes we always are looking for the spectacular, but God is looking for the significant. And it doesn't matter how, what role it is, whether you're setting up the chairs, whether you're feeding the poor, whether you're just being a faithful person in the role that God's called you, it's always significant. Your next step is always significant if we're not trapped in being attracted only to the spectacular. Is that all right, everyone? Is this helping someone? Number three, next step's, may look like testing rather than blessing. Again, we tend to think of the next step as like some sort of staircase in God's journey. But I want to tell you that, you know, your next step might look like it's taking you in the opposite direction. But if you don't understand that sometimes the next step is about a testing rather than a blessing, you will actually not do it. Look at Joseph's life. He's like, you're the man. You're the man, Joseph. They're all going to bow to you. You know what his next step was? Sold into slavery. That's not sort of you're the man kind of. Uh, you know what his next step was? Uh, serve in part of his house and be accused by his wife. Next step, go to prison. Uh, uh, Lord, I know the next step thing's working, but it's sort of going in the wrong direction. He kept faithfully taking his next step. Minister to the, to the prisoner. He, he, he took his next step even when it looked crazy because only God knew at the bottom of the shaft was an elevator waiting to take him all the way to his destiny. See, next step looked like he was going the wrong way, but God had a plan for him. And if he did not keep taking the steps in front of him, he would have missed his moment with God. And that's why a lot of people miss their moment with God because they want the step to go this way. God might take it this way, but so long as you follow God, he will make you. You know, again... People have traditional uh, career moves when it comes to ministry. You know, you start out as the vice supper coordinator for the small group, and then you become the supper coordinator for the small group. Then you become the assistant uh, coordinator for the general region of hospitality. Then you become the in charge of the volunteers. for. Then you become the assistant youth pastor. Then once you're the youth pastor, you pretty much made it. Then you become the assistant executive to the senior traveling vice minister. Then you become the associate minister of the vice traveler, and you keep going. And then eventually you become associate pastor and then you become the senior associate pastor then you become the senior pastor then you become the apostle and then you become God and then you keep going up the ladder and people think it's like some career path you got to keep going up but it does not exist success for you is doing what God's given you in this season and your next step might feel right now like man all the words over my life why am I getting tested your next step may look like testing rather than blessing it's not because God's trying to mess up your life he's actually trying to take you to your destiny and in the process of following he's making he's shaping he's changing he's sharpening he's clarifying he's he's literally doing a work in you and our commitment mustn't be to a career path or some sort of promotional path, it must be, God, I'll follow you whatever it looks like. Like Joseph, I said, I'll follow you one step at a time. And little did he know his next step after being faithful in the prison was being empowered with a palace. And that is how God often works. If you feel right now that your next step feels like you're being tested, I want to tell you, you're making progress. Some of you are feeling discouraged because you're like, I'm not in a good space. I feel trapped. I feel enclosed. But you are making progress if you're following God. And I want to encourage you to take your eyes off everyone else 
and turn it on to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And as you follow him day by day and step by step, you will find yourself arriving. And people are like, how did you get there? And you'll be like, I just kept following. I didn't plan the last 10 years. I haven't planned the last 20 years. People think I'm making that up. It's absolutely the truth. Here's, a, here, here's another one. Here's another one. You're never too old for your next step. Listen, some people hear a message like this go, it must, it must be for the young people. No, it's not for the young people, it's for people. We're all young compared to Methuselah. <laughs> Methuselah was 969. No one here is close. If God has you alive, there's a next step to take. And some people go, well, next step, that's for the junior. I've retired. You don't retire in God. You keep taking your next step. Do you know, you look at Caleb at the age of 85. He had taken plenty of steps. He went through the wilderness. He went through the, the time of actually conquering. He was the only guy to serve two mindsets in two generations. He literally could serve a Moses delivering, wandering generation and a Joshua conquering, possessing generation. And he literally, you'd forgive him for 80 years old going, it's time to put my feet up. But no, not Caleb. He's like, give me my next mountain because he had a next step. While God had him alive, he had a purpose. And he kept taking his next step. Do you know, I have a friend, one of our guys who does all our media, his dad is 81 years old. And he lives in Albany, which is a town six hours south of Perth. And he'd come up occasionally to visit his son and come to church and always cry because the presence of God would be there. And he'd come up to me, oh, Pastor Mark, I feel so blessed. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, that's good. Wow, well done on making the six-hour journey. He goes, you know what? Next week I'm going to relocate my family. I'm like, no, nah, don't. You're 81. Like, retire, relax, don't relocate. I get tired relocating and I'm 41. Listen, don't. He's like, no, no, I've got to keep going. He relocates his family and literally moves them up six hours at the age of 81 when he's got a nice pasture. But he's like, no, I think God has more for me. He's today been at our church for another two years since he's since now about 83. And every Sunday he's serving in something. He's faithfully there. His wife's at the prayer meeting. You know, you come, I come in on a Tuesday and he's there st stacking shelves. I'm like... Chris, go home, retire, do something. I feel bad for him. He's like, no, we got to keep going. And you know what? He has served as an inspiration to so many people that you're never too old to take your next step. You know, it doesn't matter. You might go, I don't have the energy. I can't do all of that. My, a friend of mine, John Herbert, his dad passed away a couple of years ago. And he was telling me at about the age of 80, when he was in the hospital, he literally could not walk. He could not take his next step because his feet were swollen. But John was telling me he was leading nurses to Christ. He was sharing his faith. Literally on his way to heaven, he's still taking his next step and changing lives. You are never too old for your next step. The idea that we come to a point where uh, I believe in empowering the next generation. I believe in passing the baton. I believe in all of that. But if you're alive, I didn't say awake, alive. God has the next step for you. And the idea that you ever get too old is I just want to break that lie over anyone in here who thinks this is lovely for my grandchildren, for my children. No, it's lovely for you. He who has years to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen. I'll give you one more and then I actually have to go. I have to take a next step. I have to get in the car and drive to somewhere. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> in fact, let's have our awesome keyboardist up. You can come help me. Uh, number five, others are waiting on the other side of your next step. See, you could be mistaken for listening to this whole message as if I'm selfishly talking about your destiny. I'm not. I'm talking about everyone else's destiny. Because your next step 
will influence a whole bunch of other people who are waiting for your obedience. This sounds like a self-serving, promotional, positive sort of, oh, well, I guess you've motivated me to do something. No, 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 no. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about what that obedience will trigger. This is about what your next step will actually mean to all the people around you. If you take your next step, other people are blessed. If you don't take your next step, other people miss out. Think of David. As he's taken his next step literally all the way faithfully to the palace. A little further in his life, you may know the incident. And the Bible says at the time kings go to war, David stayed at home. You know what? Even as a king, David had a next step. You know what his next step should have been? Go to war. Because he did not take his next step. It set off a chain of events that weren't that great set off a whole chain of events that resulted in divorce and death and murder and destruction. And Why? Because it doesn't matter what age, what stage, if you're not taking your next step, there's people that will be affected. You know, four years ago I met Pastor Tuck because he took his next step. There's tens of thousands of people through the pastors in Pakistan that are being affected because you as a church have been faithful to support, to bless, and to release so that as a church unlimited, we could take our next step. As a result, thousands of people in Pakistan are blessed because you have taken your next step. You know, this whole idea of next step isn't just about me, isn't just about our destiny. There is so much that God wants to do. Maybe like Job, your next step is just to hold on because right now you're struggling with everything and you're like, I can't think of a next step. Maybe your next step is just not to curse God. Maybe your next step is to go, you know what, God, Even though I don't know what's happening right now in my life, my next step is to not go backwards. I'm going to hold on. Maybe your next step is like Noah. You know what Noah's next step was for 120 years? The same thing every day. Build a boat. Hey, Noah, what are you doing this year? What's your vision for this year? Build a boat. Hey, Noah, it's a new decade. What are you doing this decade? Building the boat. Hey, Noah, aren't you bored? What's your next step, Noah? What's your vision? Build the boat. For 120 years, every day he had people, I'm sure, who would have said, hey, Noah, what's your next step? Come to the conference to launch your future. And Noah's like, build a boat. Same thing as last time. Because he was faithful to take his next step every day for 120 years, we have a world to live in. Because he was faithful to take his next step because he wasn't looking for the spectacular. He wasn't looking for the, the, the next level of new and fresh. And yes, God can take you into a new era. He can take you to a new mindset, new space. But listen, whether it's a launching of something dramatic or whether it's literally genuinely just, you know what, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep doing what God has done. You know, there are other people who are going to get blessed. The whole world got blessed because Noah kept taking his next step every day for 120 years. When God told me to go to Malaysia, I remember thinking, God, I don't want to do that. Nobody goes to Malaysia from Australia. Everybody leaves Malaysia to go to Australia. This is reverse. But you know, next step isn't progress in the eyes of man. It's progress in the eyes of God. And because I took my next step, I met my wife. If you told me that before, I would have gone, but he didn't give me that in the promise. And then just when we got comfortable in Malaysia, God says, take your next step. Go back to Perth. I'm like, you just told me to climb the tree. Now you're telling me to get off the tree. People are going to, there's something so liberating about being secure enough to follow God that no matter what season you are in, 
It may not look like blessing. It may feel like testing. It may not look significant. It might not, sorry, it may not look spectacular, but it's always in God. Following him is a journey that I tell you at some point in your life, you're going to have someone sit at your feet and go, tell me about your life. How did you do it? How did you know when to do this? I've had people try and ask me that. I, to be honest, I'm not trying to give them a fake, humble answer. I'm like, honestly, I just did what was in front of me. What God had told me, pick up the kids, pick up my pastor's kids, quit law, do law, get married, have kids. I was going to say, don't get married, but no, you get married, stay married. Get married, go to the marriage class. Whatever your next step is, do you know, do you realize how God delights in your obedience more than he does in your strategy? God delights in your willingness just to flow and to follow. And you know what? This journey of discipleship, sometimes we can listen to the prophetic. Sometimes we can look at the spectacular. You can look at someone's social media, their Instagram or their Facebook and go, oh, what a life they lead. That's just their highlight reel. There's a whole bunch of next steps that we all take day by day. And at the end of life, all of us want to hear the one phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and fantastic servant, or well done, good and fabulous servant, or well done, good and famous servant. Well done, good and faithful servant, because you kept following, you kept going. And at some point you realize, man, I've changed. If the person next to you has changed over a period of time, the chances are they've just been faithful with the following. And you know what? I want to pray right now before I, uh, I leave you. And this, this evening, I'm going to actually talk about some mindsets. And, and I believe God is actually going to infuse courage tonight into a whole bunch of people that you feel you're being carried by the wave of the momentum of what this amazing church is doing, but you realize God wants you to also move your legs and start moving again, that you're not just a nobody. You're not just a passenger. You're, you are a life changing world changer that is called by God wherever you are placed and spaced to genuinely bring the reality of God to your world and all it takes is not a dramatic opportunity is just a faithful progression of following God the boredom of the enemy is to discourage you from being faithful in your present and God wants to wipe away any kind of discouragement in this house of any young or old person to stir your heart that he said listen I'm going to make you I've got promises for you I've got prophetic declaration for you stop waiting for the dramatic leap it's a whole bunch of ordinary next steps that if you would stay faithful and be willing to step out and do what I've called you to do with joy in your heart I want to tell you God has not finished with you he's not finished with you by a long shot he wants to stir shape and make you into all that you were designed to be and in fact for some of you right now even as we pray, pastor's going to get up and maybe your next step is to actually take the first step and give your heart to God. Maybe your next step is to say, you know what, today I make a decision. I'm not going to sit waiting forever. I'm actually going to do something about this. I'm going to engage. And whether it's a course or a meeting or, or, or a letter you've got to write or a, a conversation you've got to have or just the faithfulness to keep standing strong, whatever it is, let's just pray right now because I'm believing for God's grace right now to strengthen you because his word declares my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in your weakness and father in heaven we invite that amazing grace right now into every person young and old rich and poor from every background every ethnicity i thank you lord that in this house it is pregnant with destiny it is latent with potential. Thank you for the next steps of the, of the new campuses and the new nations. Thank you that 
This has been a house that's been faithful to keep taking their next steps. I pray, God, that none would be lost on the journey, that everyone would be drawn into the future you have laid out for them. And Lord, this discipleship journey would be a delightful journey. And I thank you that you would spark and inspire and infuse in every heart right now a grace, a joy, an encouragement, and a vision to keep following you. May we be addicted to your presence. May we be so drawn to holding your hand because, Lord, we have signed up for the adventure of a lifetime. Father, that on that great day when we see you face to face, it would be a person who has followed you all the days of their life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.